I, I think I was saying yes to everybody and everything that came my way. But that it, that was as much on me as it as it was on some people who would try to take advantage of the fact that they knew I wouldn't say no. And that's been another that's been another learning experience is knowing that I have responsibility for my happiness and for my success. And I couldn't I can't put that I can't put a hundred percent of blame on other people. I make mistakes just like other people do. So, I mean, we were, I'm not going to get into details, but we were talking in pre-chat about some major changes in the last year. And I take 98% of the blame, but I'm happy that the circumstances went down as they did because it, it's provided another year of tremendous growth. I never thought, Brian, that at 40, 41, I would be learning as much every year about myself as I did. That's Kim Sutton, and I'm Brian Falchuk. This is Do A Day. You'll hear from the most inspiring people who have been through hard times, overcome them, and have turned around to help others with what they've learned. I'm your host, Brian Falchuk. I know we can all overcome and achieve because I've lived it myself. I've written about it in my book, Do A Day, and that's why I'm bringing you this show. Remember, today's a new day. Go out and do it. Hey, day doers. Welcome back to another episode of Do A Day. I almost said the Do A Day podcast, but I made a point not to refer to it as a podcast. It's just a show. It is what it is, right? So I have someone here today who has been a big part of my journey even before the podcast existed. This is my friend, Kim Sutton. Kim and I met when I was a guest on her podcast, and we get into that. It seems like, I don't know, a decade ago, but it turns out it's like two and a half, three years ago, something like that. Just actually... I think we just hit the three-year mark because I was sitting in bed the day after having knee surgery in October of 2017, and uh, that's when she interviewed me from the bed, no less. Um, so Kim, Kim is awesome. Kim is someone who has been so pivotal in my journey, supporting, guiding, all that because, well, she gets into it, but you know, she's had her own journey. And she's created a business that's successful and supports her family, but also nearly brought her down. And she can get into how far down is down. But the idea that I know, especially these days, so many of us are struggling with is, where is that line where you say no? Where is that line where work has to end and other parts of your life need to exist and have space? It's really hard. And as someone who is a solopreneur myself, that line, it's like, you know, you, you see the line there, you see the request come in and you're like, but if I don't do this, will I, will I be able to support my family? Like, is this the thing that's going to lead to the thing that leads to the thing that dot, dot, dot eventually gets to income or is that big break opportunity? And so you, you end up with this fear of saying no. And you end up with this need to please people and oblige and say yes, and it can destroy you. And so Kim, just very honestly through that journey, which has both a professional and a personal side to it, she had a really rough marriage. Um, she takes us into the story and how it ended and why it ended, but also the dysfunction towards her and the way that that was defining and reinforcing uh, the wrong definition of herself. And you can see how that setup leads to the way her business started. And she's really honest, like she continues on this journey today. 
I'm such a huge fan of Kim. Her show's awesome, Positive Productivity. And uh, of course, I link to that in the show notes. But this is just a great chance to get to know Kim a little bit. And if you listen to her show, you'll know something about her, but you mostly know about her guests. And here's like, here's a way to round that out. So with that, let's jump into the episode with Kim Sutton, the Kim Sutton. Kim Sutton, I'm so, so happy to have you on the show today. Thanks for joining me. Well, thank you for having me. I mean, how many years is this in the coming? I think I think we started connecting in like sometime in 2017. Yeah. And like to to um to do this mastermind. Like, yeah, you have me on your show, but that was that was before we started talking every week, you, me, and and the rest of the unretirable crew, who many of them have been on the show too. Um, I was just like my wife and I joke about like we say my friend and it's like someone we know through the internet and we don't really know them. I'm like, yeah, but like Kim, like Kim's like, I genuinely like, we know things about each other and what we've gone through and what our dreams are and all that. Um, probably more than many of my like physical world friends. That is such a case for so many of my online friends. I mean, some many of which I have not met in person and yeah. a, a close few that I have, I know more about them than I do of my immediate family. Yeah. Yeah, it's no joke. Um, not and, the ones living in my house. I have to no, use the disclaimer. <laughs> not the ones living in my house. Well, Although the teenagers could be questionable. Yeah, you you used to know them. Yep. Um, <laughs> it's it's awesome to be reconnected, and we do need to get we do need to get the band back together. There's no question about that. Um, Kim, can you give us a little bit of who you are these days and what kinds of things you do, and then I want to build into the backstory. Sure. So. A lot of a lot of uh, online entrepreneurs would would dispute the how I'm going to start this, but I'm a mom of five, and I just had to throw that in there because I don't care what other online entrepreneurs would dispute or what other influencers would dispute because I finally realized that I am me, and you are you. I mean, it's a good thing that you are you, Brian, because you know you're a man and I'm a woman, and you know let's just keep that separate. But I'm a mom of five, and over the course of the last seven years, I've had to really figure out how to be myself, how to own my space, how to build boundaries. And I'm taking that to my clients now and helping them build marketing and business structures that help them get away from their computer and back into bed for sleep, people for sleep, <laughs> um, and back to the activities that they really love. I mean, I've gone through severious, severious, serious bouts of sleep deprivation. Yeah. And I don't want to see anybody go through that because I know for me, it was, it was the ultimate low. I mean, it couldn't have gotten any lower and me still be alive. Yeah. I think we were talking through one of those, like, I, I can remember getting an email from you about like, I finally slept last night. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's rough. And of course it feels so helpless because it's it's not like you're choosing to be awake. It's just happening and it feels like it's out of control. But the impact, it, it totally adds up over those days and just can take you down. Mm -hmm. I mean, for anybody who's going through anxiety, I know what it feels like. And, and I know that there were those times when I was so severely anxious that I could not sleep even though I was extremely exhausted yeah. I mean, I could have fallen asleep at my desk but the anxiety would have kept me tossing and turning all night yeah so the ability to actually be able to sleep I was dreaming last night though I just need to put this out there about the walking dead 
the show or actual yes. walking? Okay. The the show. My son, my 14-year-old and I have picked up watching The Walking Dead together. And I didn't even watch it last night. But last night, the walkers were invading my dreams. That is not mm. cool. No, not so much. Yeah. So did you sleep through it though? Yeah. Yeah. And I lived through it too. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> um so what what are some of the the things that you do from a service or, or work standpoint today? Like you you do coaching, you help businesses with a number of things. What are some of those things? I do a lot of building websites and marketing automation. So setting up sales funnels. I don't like the term sales funnels. I call yeah. them feel good funnels, but really relating to the people who come in and request your free stuff. Mm. Uh, I, I think, think a feel good funnel is reserved for funnel cake. I'm not sure that you can you can take that, but um, keep going. We'll we'll let it Wait, slide. Is that actually trademark for funnel cake? No. Okay, good because like... I'm using it. Uh, <laughs> I, I I love that comparison though because I love funnel cakes. Um, it's it's like funnel cake, but for your business, you could exactly, say exactly exactly. I want I want the people the leads who opt into my clients' funnels to be so engrossed i mean yeah like a funnel cake you start eating and you can't stop you mm. know they get the email and they're they want to know what the next email is going to say or they hear the the podcast or they read the blog and they're they're just waiting for the next one to come out yeah and i think there's too many people who are flaunting and bragging and all about the numbers numbers aren't going to sell me anymore i'm over the numbers because numbers can be faked yes the true stories you can feel yeah yeah, no, that's a really good that's a really good point. Um I do have to admit I've actually never had a funnel cake. No way. Which maybe that doesn't surprise you knowing me, but um it's not that I didn't want like as a kid, I certainly would have eaten them, but it was like someone might find out that I had it and get mad at me because like the fat kid's eating too much again. Um and then as an adult, like I'm just not interested. Um I've had fried dough. I guess those are pretty similar. Yeah, those are pretty similar. Yeah. It's just the shape, maybe. Um this is this is just not what my show is about at all, but look where I've taken it. Um, I just, my wife was watching a webinar the other day that in the pandemic, like one of the the key things we crave is comfort food. And I swear, since hearing that in the background, the guy's going into chocolate and ice cream, it's all I can think about. So it's kind of no wonder that funnel cake came out of my mouth. Um, let, let's get back on topic though, because I- I'm Hold just on like, a second. Before oh, we get more. back on- okay. Yeah, before we get back on topic, I'm- my house is the one that eats unhealthy most of the time, but I'm the one who's been craving greens, like oh, Brussels sprouts, like yeah. Brussels sprouts. Okay. I never ate Brussels sprouts before this. And, and I've been ha having more greens and more healthy stuff Good for you. since this began. But I have to tell you, I also gave up alcohol and soda months before this all began. Mm. So it's, it's crazy. For me, I mean, people are talking about the COVID nineteen gaining it. Yeah. No, I mean, I'm I'm eating Brussels sprouts, which I never saw happening in my you, lifetime. You should make Brussels sprout chips. Mm. You just okay. Cut the I'll bottom off, peel them off, rub some oil around the whole mess of them, throw it in the oven for at like three o five, and watch them for five to fifteen minutes, depending on your oven. Um, and they crisp up and then they're like light and crispy. Kids will love them. It's like potato chips, but they're incredibly good for you. Okay. Do a day listeners. I'll give <laughs> my funnel cake recipe and Brian will give his Brussels, Brussels sprout, sprout chips. chips. <laughs> you can choose. 
um, funnel cake chips. That's uh, that's how we're going to sort it out. Um, yeah. Okay. As as light and fun as this is, I when you had me on your show, we connected a little bit after recording, and that was like late 2017 um, or 2016. I don't even remember now. I think that was 2017. 17. Okay. Um, yeah, that would make sense. I was I was literally in bed recovering from knee surgery. It was the day after my surgery, and we just kept talking afterward. And you gave me little tastes of your life and I didn't have a show yet. And I was like, it, it hit me for days and uh, obviously getting to know you through the mastermind and spending more time with you like that. Like I've always wanted to have you on the show. We've tried a number of times. You've been crazy busy, which I know is part of what we'll talk about, but um, your backstory blows me away and who you are today and the connection of the two is exactly what this show is about. So that's why like I am genuinely, aside from just like you as a person thematically and, and kind of to the point of the show, this is huge for me to have you on. So I'm, I'm thankful for that, but we got to get into this because it's, um, it floored me like a number of pieces of it and your openness and honesty with it as well. Thank you. Thank you. I'm seeing whipped cream now. And I know, sorry, unretireables, whipped okay. cream and funnel cake. Oh, but yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah uh, going, I was always experiencing the challenge of you're not good enough mm. growing up. And I lived with my, or my parents divorced when I was really young and were from very different economic backgrounds. Mm-hmm. So on one on one side, there was always more than enough. On, mm-hmm. the, on the other side, there was very rarely enough. And I started working at 11. I got a paper route mm. to, so that I would be able to afford snacks at school. Yeah. Not, not lunch, but, you know, while all the other kids could get the extra bag of chips or an ice cream, you know, I wanted that. Yeah. And it taught me how to start working really really young but there was always that not enoughness I mean I would be grounded in high school if I didn't make the honor roll Mm. and there was never there was never time or money for the extracurriculars it was always push 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 and I took it straight into college Uh, I went to one of the best art schools in the country to get my degree in interior architecture and whereas most college students go out and party and you know are really social I was the one in the dorm pushing hard I mean I was told that if I didn't have a job when I graduated and Brian I graduated in 2001 so tough time to have a job but if I didn't have a job when I graduated my mom wasn't going to come to my graduation wow yeah it's like okay you know I've just worked my butt off for four years you're just not going to come to my graduation if I don't have a job But I I lived in downtown Chicago and there were security guards that would let us into the dorms. And if you were in any way impaired, alcohol or otherwise, they would not let you into the dorm. Hmm. So I, for the three years that I lived in the dorms, I just didn't do, I, I probably had the lamest college experience ever because I didn't drink. I didn't do anything. And I'm not saying that it takes alcohol to 
to live. Yeah, but it was but not the college. Typical. Yeah, uh, look, I was in the same boat. I had Chinese class at eight a.m. every morning, and I didn't drink or anything. So, like, I, I get it. It's not. Yeah. It's not what people picture when they're like, "Oh, best four years of your life." Yeah, but on the flip side, it wasn't just my mom. I mean, I had started dating my um, my first serious boyfriend right before I graduated high school. Mm. And not to to make a long story short, I dated him through all four years of college, even though we were 16 hours apart. And he was very controlling. And if I was not in my room and able to AOL instant message him, remember those days? Yeah, yeah. You know, then I must have been doing something wrong. So I was in my room doing my drafting and everything because he was monitoring and my mom was monitoring. And when we when it was time to graduate, he said, "If you want to be with me, then you're gonna go to New- go to New York." And I already had a really good job in Chicago, but I was so used to doing what everybody else told me to do that I got a job in New York and moved there. And I was there on nine eleven. Um, wow. Yeah, it was quite the experience. It was the quickest. I don't mean to make light of it, but it was the fastest commute home I ever had. Yeah. And I knew at that time that that it wasn't a healthy relationship and I was getting ready to leave. And I had drinks with a person one night who said, if, if your relationship is rocky for a couple seasons and you're questioning it, then it's probably time to leave. And this is, you know, it's before marriage. It's before you get married. If you're, if your relationship is rocky, then you should probably consider leaving. And I was just getting ready to leave when I found out that I was pregnant. And so we, we got married because it's what family told us to do and we were together for eight years and it was a rocky marriage the whole time and finally I decided enough was enough and and left I was unemployed I and I had two sons and and I left and by that time we had moved out to Ohio because I was designing schools out here wow and you know everything but I have to say that every part of this journey has led me to where I'm supposed to be. I mean, who would have thought that I would have moved from working in Manhattan to being in the middle of nowhere, Ohio, Yeah. but it was for a reason. Wow. Where, where was your family from originally? Western New York, Rochester area. Okay. I miss Wegmans. Just need to give a <laughs> shout out. <laughs> yeah, they're, so. they're working their way West. It seems they're pushing. They need to go a little bit faster. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but um, so we moved out here so that I could design schools. Mm-hmm. And I, I just need to throw in there that he told me I needed to move to New York to be with him, but it was 2001. So all the job offers that he had been offered were reneged when the economy crashed. Oh, yeah. yeah. And then we moved out to Ohio to be closer to his family, and he didn't have a job. Hmm. So I ended up losing my job when the economy crashed in 2008. Yeah. But again, everything for a reason, because I met people as a result of that who yeah. helped me become who I am today. So what, you find yourself in that place, you leave him, two kids, jo- the job is gone before or after you left? Before. Before. So you really like, everything that you had is gone. Mm-hmm. Except yeah. your kids. Yeah. Yeah, it got to the point where he was so controlling that he took my car keys and my cell phone and told me that I was going to have to walk the older one to school the next day. The it, the story's a lot longer, but um, it the next day was supposed to be negative nineteen or something like that without the wind wind chill, 
and that just wasn't workable for me or the kids anymore. Yeah. The kids, the kids were being physically abused. Oh. I was being emotionally abused and I had been estranged from my father, but my, to the urging of one of my sisters, I hopped on a call with him and I let him know, I was like, dad, I'm just trying to stick out one more year. So I'll be eligible for social security benefits or uh, something like that. Yeah. And he said, Kim, is your happiness and the safety of your kids really worth that? Yeah. That one more year. Yeah. And I was like, wow, no, it's absolutely not. So I left that year early. Uh, I was quickly able to line up a job at Chipotle, mm-hmm. which, you know, that's, it's not the forty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000 a year I'd no. been earning before. No, that but, you studied for. like you, Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But I also, when you're going through these tough times, if even now people who are struggling sometimes just need to suck it up and bite their pride and go ask for assistance. And that's what I had to do at that time. I went to the job and family services office. I applied for food stamps and Medicaid, Medicare. I can never remember which one it's called it, you know, and cash assistance, childcare assistance so that I could do what I had to do to do what I wanted to. And I remember sitting in those open I was about to call them open casting calls, but the open interviews that we had to go to every Friday and I would show up in a suit, Brian, yeah, ready for the interview. But I was surrounded by people who didn't look or smell like they had showered in weeks and they were wearing sweats and ripped t-shirts. And it just, it dismayed me so much because I was there to do, you know, the best that I absolutely could do. And they, it almost felt like they were there not, not even caring. They just wanted to continue on the benefits. Yeah. They're just meeting the requirement to show that they were trying so they could keep the benefits. Absolutely. So anyway, I got the job at Chipotle. I got kicked off the line because my burritos wouldn't stay together, (laughs) you know, and, and got little incremental better jobs until, um, well, I met my husband in the meantime, Dave, and we got married and he started losing jobs and, we did, we came to a mutual decision that he needed a life change. You know, it's yeah. time for you to pursue your dream. He he always dreamed of being a video game designer, but his family, while my family was very pushy and expected the top performance out of us, his yeah. there was no support whatsoever, like to the point that they kicked him out of house at 16. Hmm. So there was nobody ever there to support him. And I said, go to school. You know, you have time right now go to school and we needed more money. So I started my business. What, and what kinds of things were you doing back then? Cause it's like virtual assistant work, right? Yeah. I was a VA. Yeah. I was a VA. That's cutting edge. That that was still pretty new back then. Yeah. 2012 was still very cutting edge. I mean, I didn't even realize how the skills that I had from before were applicable to what I was looking for. I thought I was competing with overseas people. Yeah, um, and that's been its own journey of understanding my value and my worth. Yeah, and I, I, you know, I'm, I don't have a big head. I don't have a big head. Um, but uh, not even a but. I'll say so. Growing confidence, gaining confidence, and really learning to understand my value has probably been more of a learning experience than the first forty years of my life were. Yeah. I think I think that's a 
that's something everyone should listen to because that's a pretty universal thing I've seen for people to see that or to understand the need to recognize their own value. And that's, that's like the hardest thing to learn. Forget all the stuff that you struggled with in school or early in your career or whatever. It's just like that ability to value yourself seems so difficult for almost everybody. Genuinely value yourself, not like egotism and, you know, fake bigging yourself up, but like to really feel it inside is really difficult. I don't think I knew how to say no when you and I met. Yeah, now now I'm like, oh God, did I ask her for anything too big? But I think I was probably okay. I'm I'm hoping I wasn't one of the people in that in that no, ballpark. I'm not I, even yeah. putting you into the circle of askers. But <laughs> I, I I think I was saying yes to everybody and everything that came my way. Yeah. But that that was as much on me as it as it was on some people who would try to take advantage of the fact that they knew I wouldn't say no. Yeah. Yeah. And that's been another that's been another learning experience is knowing that I have responsibility for my happiness and for my success. And I yeah. couldn't, I can't put that. I can't put a hundred percent of blame on other people. Mm. I make mistakes just like other people do. Yeah. So, I mean, we were, I'm not going to get into details, but we were talking in pre-chat about some major changes in the last year. And I take 98% of the blame, but I'm happy that the circumstances went down as they did because it, it's provided another year of tremendous growth. I never thought, Brian, that at 40, 41, I would be learning as much every year about myself as I did. Yeah. Years ago. Yeah. And we do think like it just stops, like you just, you become an adult and that's it. And I think for some people, that is sort of what's going on, but it's not that the ability to learn is gone. They've just kind of shut it off and they're just on autopilot. But actually, like, you never stop if you allow yourself to continue that growth. I think uh, settlers I, stop. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that's what you're doing when you, it's like, okay, now I'm just going to go through the motions and like, well, okay, that like, that's your decision and that's fine. But like, are you truly happy? Are you mm -hmm. achieving what you really wish you were achieving? Or have you just sort of given up? You know, like, oh, well. That's a heck of a way to describe your life. Oh, well. Mm. Yeah, I don't want an oh, well life. No. I know you don't want an oh, well life either. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I definitely got that feeling when we were, you know, first getting connected and, and through, uh, for people who haven't picked up, our mastermind group was called the Unretirables because it was people who wanted to get out of some of us already were, but to get out of the, the job that we were in to pursue what we actually wanted. So not, not actually retiring, but not retiring. Um, people talk about burning the candle on both ends. And my sense of you is like, it's been burning in like 17 different places and now it's just a wick on fire. Like all the wax is gone. Like you were, you constantly had so much going on and were producing a ton, but then there was like, this mountain on top of everything you're producing that's all the backlog that's being thrown at you mm -hmm. um i was a fidget spinner on fire <laughs> yeah i think that's yeah that's pretty well that's pretty well put yeah um yeah so that is and and i think lots of people can relate to that whether it's at that extreme or not like it probably feels like it's that extreme for many people um i certainly felt like i had too much going on and then you know we do our calls and i'm like how are you still breathing? Like, there's no time for breath. <laughs> you have to like get stuff done. Um, and with five kids in the house too, and, and your husband, like it's not just work stuff. 
Absolutely. And looking back, I mean, I've, I've spent some time recently just scrolling down my own Instagram feed and it's amazing to see how the wear and tear showed on my face mm. from all that. And I didn't realize how much the stress was accumulating all over in yeah. my face, in my stomach. I mean, I didn't realize the effects of cortisol mm-hmm. and just taking that stress off and learning to say no and not just to other people, Brian, that's been a huge thing is telling myself no too. I mean, you and I have talked about it before, but I'm, I'm working on my book, chronic idea disorder. Yeah. And, and there, I went through years and years and years where I would start a project, get maybe 25 to even 95% done. And then I would get a new idea and start that. And the old one wouldn't be finished yet. So I had a huge mountain of unfinished projects. And if I had just finished one, then I probably could have started making money off of it. Yeah. Or I would have had something to show. Yeah. But what I wound up with was a whole bunch of mini piles of unfinished stuff. Yeah. I'm looking at Charlie Gilkey's book, Start Finishing. Because like how many I've of us do that? Never heard of that. Right? Yeah. yeah. He's, uh, you, get, you guys have some similar, you know, with positive productivity and he's productive flourishing. So there's, there's definitely an overlap there, but he is, he is very much about getting things done. And uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm, his book's almost like a textbook, like it's hard bound like that. Um, really? But that title, I've, I've read it, like the content's great, but the title is the thing that hits me all the time. And that's when I'm like, nope, start finishing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, you're totally right. Saying no, it's not about the other person. It's about yourself being comfortable with the idea that you're not doing that or that you're missing out or, you know, and especially if you're an entrepreneur or, you know, in, in some of the work that we do where it's like you're creating ideas and finding some way to bring them to the market. Um, that thing you're saying no to, could that be the one that, you know, is, is the breakthrough? Is that the one that's going to resonate with someone? Maybe that's the connection that I need to make. And if I don't make time to talk to them, I'm missing out. It's not just like, oh, I didn't know what happened. And I, you know, I want to be up on the gossip. It's not that kind of fear of missing out. It's, it's this fear that like what you're doing isn't good enough. And if you don't take every opportunity, you're going to miss out on the one that could have saved you because you're not good enough to discern which ones you should and shouldn't be engaging in. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Well, I start, when you and I met, I probably had, and so many entrepreneurs fall into this. I had maybe 19 different freebies on my website. Now let's just look around our house. I mean, as a mom, as a crafter, I have 19 started knitting projects in the box right next to Mm. me, right? And I've started sweaters for kids, for my own kids when they were newborns that I can't eat. You know, if I finish them now, my kid has long outgrown them. And looking back, comparing this to the the opt-ins, the free gifts on my site, I had no idea where they were going to lead to. I just thought, oh, somebody needs this. Oh, somebody needs this. Yeah. But I wasn't looking at the bigger purpose. Like, mm. what's this going to serve? How does this serve me? How does this serve to other people? What's the bigger picture here? So I had to start saying no to even creating all these, these freebies mm. and even working on knitting projects. Do I really want to start a blanket or a a sweater right now when I know the kid's going to outgrow it in six months when I could start a blanket and it will be usable still in 10 years. 
right? Yeah. Like if that's when I finish it, do I want it to take 10 years? No, but life happens. But it's, it's a good strategic framing actually to rethink, you know, like what's going to be the most valuable thing I can do right now mm-hmm. versus just going with, Oh, I need to do this right now. It's like, well, yes. And by doing that, you're taking away the opportunity of doing anything else. So is this really the best place for you to put your attention? Yeah. I I hate to date stamp anything here, but we already talked I, about instant messenger, so it's fine. Well, I'm just seeing so many people right now who are creating products in crisis Yeah, or for crisis. Yeah. And in the back of my mind, And in the front of my mind, I want to reach out and give them a virtual slap followed by a virtual (laughs) hug because I'm all about evergreen, setting up the systems and processes that will take us into the future. And when they're, they're creating their most recent COVID-19, you know, product where, how's that going to be reusable if you don't go back and re-record everything? Right. I don't have time for that. Are you hearing that song now? Maybe some of your listeners are, but there's an auto tune. Ain't nobody got time for that, but I don't. So everything that I do these days, I'm thinking, what can I be doing that can be used well into the future? Yeah. Yeah. I just, uh, I just had to, had to, I was asked to do some recordings for this app called Motivate. Um, you know, it's got like short audio clips to inspire you on different subjects. And they were adamant that like, you know, as tempting as it is, please don't just make a bunch of COVID-19 pandemic anxiety related recordings. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sure if they did that, they'd have a spike in activity and sales and all that. And, you know, that's all well and good, but then what? And so, you know, I appreciated them having that longer term view. It's not to say they can't have anything on that, but, you know, right now there is this sort of like influx of overstimulation on the subject and, you know, lots of it may be very useful, but I think just being mindful, is that the infant sweater or is that a blanket? Mm-hmm. That's my that's my new uh, that's gonna be my new phrase. Mm. I love it's better, it. It's better than the funnel cake one. Um, Kim, there's there's a, a whole other story to this around. You know, you, you touched on anxiety, um, and I don't want to cut you off if you're on a streak, but I do want to talk about the mental health side of this as well, um, because that's very real, and I think present for a lot of people. And it's a topic that we've addressed on this show a few times now. Um, but it's like, there's, you're a very capable person who has achieved a lot. And so I think people may just presume like, oh, you know, she said anxiety, but come on. You know, she said she had too much going on, but like, yeah, but she's a producer and like she gets through it. And there's, there's so much more to what you've been through. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're comfortable with it, I, I, I'd like to get into that stuff too, because I think it's it's something a lot of people are going to relate to. Absolutely. So I want to preface this by saying I didn't learn the first time, the first time I dealt with anxiety, depression, suicidal thoughts, that wasn't enough. And I just want to let you know that I, I actually had a first business that I ran between 2005, 2010. It, it was started purely because of money. It was an online e-commerce shop selling scrapbooking supplies. And I, at the time I was working a full-time job. Mm-hmm. So I would get up at 530, um, leave my house by 630 so I could get to work by 730. Through the open cornfields of Ohio, I still mm-hmm. had an hour commute. <laughs> and 
you know, work my nine hours and then come home. But then I would be up until 3 a.m. Wow. Working on my shop. And I did that for a good two years, two and a half years. And I started, I stopped remembering to take care of myself. I mean, clearly the sleep deprivation is one side, but I've had hypothyroidism since birth. Yeah. I had never asked the doctor what the purpose was of my medication. That's a bad mistake. To all of you who are listening, if your doctor prescribes something, ask them what it's for and what the repercussions are if you don't take it. Hmm. I had just never thought to do that. So I didn't take my thyroid medication for months. And then it all uh, came together right at the beginning of 2008. And January 2nd of 2008, I was admitted to the mental hospital because I was suicidal. I was hallucinating. And when I got there, they two things. Number one, they checked my thyroid and your thyroid level should be between 0.1 and 0.2. I don't remember what hormone that is. It's TSH or T4 or something like that. And mine was 150 something or 160 something. Wow. So again, it should be between 0.1 and 0.2. Yeah. And they were shocked that I was still alive. Yeah. So that's point number one. But point number two is that they never addressed my sleep. They didn't ask about how much I was sleeping. It was all about the thyroid and just being anxious. So they yeah. put me on a lot of drugs and sent me on my way. Fast forward to 2016. And you're, you're still with your first husband through this, right? I was, yeah. yeah. And, and I have to say also, the difference between husband number one and husband number two is that when I told husband number one how I was feeling, there was no conversation. It was, you're going to the hospital. You need to be in the mental hospital. Let's go now, or you will never see your kids again. Oh. Like, no hug, no, how are you doing? You know, get in the car, let's go. Because I will not let you see the kids again if you do not go now. So, oh, and he contacted a divorce attorney while I was in the mental hospital. Wow. You got a winner there. Yeah. Compassion. Uh, yeah. 2015, January 2015, I had, I gave birth to twins. Complete surprise. I mean, we we knew that I was pregnant, <laughs> but you know, we, we and with that belly, there was no hiding yeah. it. But why I, is there two feet coming out of it? Yeah, what? no kidding. Yeah, I and for the next 18 months, a lot of people would think that it was due to the twins that I was not sleeping. But my yeah. husband Dave is amazing. He is. Like he was the one getting up all through the night, but I found myself working 20, 22 hours a day, wow. nonstop. And I was looking at all the influencers. I, I think during that time I was a member of no joke, 180 different Facebook groups. Cause I thought that's where my dream clients were. Yeah. And I was working nonstop until it got to July of 2016. I was so anxious because of the sleep deprivation that I laid in bed one night looking at my ceiling fan, wondering if it would support me. Oh, wow. And I got to that point because I didn't understand how all these people that I saw online could be having these massive, massive successes, getting these huge houses, these glamorous cars, uh, you know, six figure, seven figure launches. And here I am working 20, 22 hours a day with my water getting shut off. Yeah. What the heck is wrong here? So I was just ready to quit. And I laid in bed looking at my ceiling fan and 
I was just praying, please, God, you know, help me out of this. I'm a very spiritual person. My faith is important to me. And clearly I'm here. So that didn't happen. I went through, I had a very spiritual experience, but that has driven where my life has gone since then. And I want to back up three years before that, my, my stepbrother died and Uh. it's still an open investigation. And I'm sort of over whether or not I'm allowed, quote, allowed to talk about it because it's gotten out into the newspapers in my hometown that the investigators are looking at it as suicide. Mm-hmm. He was an entrepreneur. And I don't think that any of us should get to that point where we don't feel like we can talk to other people. Nobody knew how I was, how I was feeling. Yeah. Nobody. Not even my husband, who to this day is my best friend. I did not want to put that burden on him. And I think we need to stop looking at it as putting burden on other people mm. and building the support network. Because when you feel like you can talk to other people about things like that, those other people will feel like they can talk to you about their serious life changing or you know, devastating whatever's going on in their life. And that's how the connection begins. Yeah, And we look at people like Robin Williams and um, Kate Spade. Why didn't yeah. they talk to people? Yeah. You know, brilliant minds, brilliant personalities and creators. And all I have to say is why? Yeah. Where was their support network? And but then I look at myself and I didn't I didn't want to burden. But when I when I opened up to my husband and told him how I was feeling, number one, he didn't say you're gonna go to the mental hospital. Yeah. And number two, he just broke down in tears because he felt so horrible that I hadn't wanted to put that burden on him. He reminded me that, you know, our marriage vows, for better, for worse, for richer, poorer, sickness and health. Listeners, we have been through all of those. And I mean Mm -hmm. all of them. So I won't make that mistake again. Communication is key. We have to let other people know how we're feeling without feeling ashamed, without feeling like there's something wrong with us. Cause there's nothing wrong with us. It's okay to not be okay. And you just need to find that person that you can talk to. Yeah. Um, it's a, it's a lot for you to say that. And so thank you for the honesty there. And I think that that's something that resonates with way more people than many of us would guess and way more people, including, you know, anyone who's hearing that and it's hitting them themselves and they may be like, yeah, I, I didn't realize that's what's going on inside of me. Like that's what those feelings are. And that's what that fear or that, what I call strength of holding it in is not actually strength. Like the strength is in finding someone to talk to. The strength is doing the presumably harder thing of finding support and working on it. Mm -hmm. So after then, if you don't mind me just sharing, this is one of those experiences that some people would be like, you're crazy. That never happened. And I say that because up until that point, I would have thought the same of anybody who told me the story, Mm. but I was there praying and I saw the most, gruesome monsters with my eyes shut that I'd ever seen. I don't like horror films. Mm. I will watch anything besides horror, but I was seeing these horrible monsters in my head and I just kept on praying and I prayed one more time 
and I saw this bright white light and I saw an angel wing and all the monsters that I was seeing went away and I fell into the most peaceful sleep that I had had in years. Mm. And the next morning I came out to my desk and my now 14 year old, a couple of years before had given me an angel bell for Christmas. I'm not an angel person, period. Like I, I've just never connected to mm-hmm. angels so I, I know I had put that angel bell somewhere, quote, safe, mm-hmm. you know, like you do with those beautiful yet ugly ceramic things that your kids make you. <laughs> so I know I had put the angel bell somewhere, quote, safe, but it was on my desk on its side with one of the wings broken off. And I remember looking up at my ceiling and saying, good game, God, good game. And I told one of my close friends what had happened. And she sent me some resources to look at and through circuitous, circuitous, I don't even know what it means, but I think it's the right word here. Journey, I was introduced to Danielle Laporte and Brenda Burchard. And I started to realize that following your heart instead of your head is absolutely okay and it should actually be required because if you're only chasing money you're probably going to wind up unhappy and that's exactly mm-hmm. where i had been and then mm-hmm. brendan burchard surprised the heck out of me when he started talking about high performance not being about pushing 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 that's what mm-hmm. i thought high performance was but then he starts talking about how you have to drink water and how you have to say no and how you have to sleep I had never realized that that was a thing. You know, I was trying to figure out how I could break up my sleep or 24 hours, you know, sleep napping for a half an hour, then getting up for four hours, napping Mm -hmm. for a half hour. I didn't realize the, you know, sleep cycles and all these other important qualities. So my life radically changed. And while it hasn't been a super smooth road, it's definitely not that, um, that rocky road that it was before. Yeah. Um, it is, it's really interesting because I think some of the people like Brendan Burchard, you can look at on the outside and be like, oh, he's all about selling his courses and making money. And it's like, well, yes, because that's his business, but actually hearing the message inside of that, there's a reason why he's had the success he's had. And it's not just because he's a brilliant online marketer. He is very good at that, but there's more to it. Um, but to be able to see through the glitz and the glam of the marketing side to hear the real message is one thing. To actually apply it, Kim, is a whole other one. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why I think you see a lot of people who, like, they're always going from one course to the next because, like, oh, this is the one that, that I'm going to actually stick with. Um, how did you figure out how to make these things more a regular piece of your life? Because it's it's not. I'm sure it wasn't news to you that you need to be backing off or you know finding more balance or you know any of those things. It's so much easier said than done. So what do you think it was like? Was it this profound moment with the angel wing, or was there more to it? Well, I started sleeping immediately, and I, and I got myself into a sleep schedule. Uh, to answer your question shortly, like it was in stages. I mm. didn't make all the changes overnight, and I don't think we can expect ourselves to. You know, so it started with the sleep and then it, it took a couple of years, maybe even three years. So up until 2000, early 2019, when I established boundaries, I mean, Mm. clients were shocked 
when I stopped answering text messages and emails after six o'clock. But hearing from, or actually looking at 2018 in review, I realized I only ate dinner with my family 10 times. There's seven of us in the house. So you, you factor six birthdays because there's twins. Yeah. Christmas, Thanksgiving, New Year's, and maybe Easter. There's 10. Yeah. I had dinner with my family 10 times and I realized that's a problem. And then I also realized I didn't, I couldn't remember what my twins first words were. I don't know when they walked. I don't know when they called. I don't know. I don't know any of this. And it's not because I wasn't here. I was in the same house as them. Yeah. That's a problem. So establishing those boundaries took a lot. I'm going to say a lot of balls on my part, even though I don't have them. Um, You know, because I had to not only establish them, but enforce them. Yeah. And the enforcing, I think, was even harder than the establishing. Why aren't you answering my text? Yeah. Because you get to spend time with your family and I'm expecting to spend time with my family too. I will get back to you on Monday. Yeah. And then the final, the final kicker was that I had... I had established boundaries time-wise, but I did not understand the value of my time and and what I do for clients until I had a horrible experience with a couple of clients in the beginning of 2019. Mm. And I'm an empath. I will just say that. And I feel bad for people really easily. And I want to be a fixer and help them get out of things. But Which I also makes it hard to say no. It absolutely does. And what I found is that people, and and I've been guilty of this too, people who are in scarcity mindset are often a lot harder to work with from my standpoint. Mm -hmm. They're micromanagers. They're very needy. And please know I'm making a generalization. So I know there's people who are not like this. But there was one person who I'd given a lot of free to. And then I realized in May of 2019 that I have given hundreds of hours of free time to this person and it's not only hurting my finances, but it's hurting people who paid me for my time. Yeah. And I was white labeling. Is that what it's called? White labeling for this client. So I let the client that I was directly working for know what had been going on, showed them the email that I was going to write to the person and sent it off saying, you know, for the better of both of our businesses, it's time for us to move on. I can refer you to people who can support you, but I need to be supporting the people who paid for my services. And at this point, it's taking time away from my family. Yeah. Fast forward two weeks, she reached out to the client that I had been hired through and told them that I hadn't done any of the work I'd been paid for. Mm. And that client checked my work and saw that it was working. And long story short, the client that I was working for gave the white labeled client a full refund because he was, she threatened to take him, put him out on social media, you know, lie, but put him out on social media. And he didn't want that. And then he came back to me and expected a refund for the work I had done and wouldn't take no for an answer. And I realized in that very moment that there was a problem. Yeah. Because number one, as leaders, we need to we need to stand our ground. And 
we need to support our teams and we need to have our teams back when we know that a situation is wrong. And if somebody threatens to take us onto social media, blast us on social media with lies, yeah. we need to be prepared to respond for the sake of our team, not give in to blackmail. Yeah. Is that, is that blackmail? That's a hundred percent blackmail. Yeah. Extortion. Mm-hmm. Another good word for it. At that point, I was at a loss, but I still had so many clients that I was working with. I don't want to say for, but with through this person. And I felt a personal obligation to deliver what they paid for. So I continued working through it. And there was a live event a few months later that this client organized. And he was selling the product that I had built. And there on the stage during his pitch to the audience, he showed that product that I had built for that client. That he said didn't work. mm -hmm, Using that, like a screenshot of her product right there on the screen. Mm. And that was, that was the end. I Mm. realized no more of this. And then I didn't, I don't go out there and I don't share names. I don't think I have to share names, you know, but I, I started having conversations with people, more conversations with people about the services that I offer. And I started hearing stories from clients who had paid four times or not from, not from clients, from friends who had paid four times more than I had ever gotten paid from this client for the exact same services. And they had gotten less than I had been providing to my people. Mm. And in that moment, something clicked with me. It's like, wait a second. I'm worth more, not just in terms of money, but in respect, it's time. And I think that's going back, you know, 10 years prior, I saw that the same in my marriage to my first husband, I'm worth more than this. And that's why I'd left that. I mean, I told him, I want to kiss before you leave for work. And he says, well, it doesn't mean anything to me. Well, it means something to me. And Putting the two together, I've realized communication is important. And when something's not working for you, you have to know that it's okay to let other people know that it's not working. And yeah. it's it's okay. And it's a personal responsibility to let other people know what you expect. I mean, use be reasonable. But if if this is what you expect, then let them know because yeah. Well, and if, I mean, be reasonable or, or or not, if that's what you expect and that's not what they're willing to do, then that's not a connection. That's mm-hmm. that's not a match. And it's better to know that than fool yourself any longer. Yeah. I feel like I've robbed the whole microphone. No, no. <laughs> Come on. It's a, you're the guest. It's your story. Um, it, when, when you said that about I'm worth more or I'm worth more than this, that really struck a nerve with me because when you talk about people who are controlling, whether it's a spouse or an ex-spouse, um, a family member, uh, a client, a boss, the the way ultimately that people who are like that control is by making you feel less than, making you feel like you are worth less. Absolutely. And so it's it's no, um, it's no coincidence or surprise to me that that's how you describe that waking up that like, I'm worth more than this. That's breaking free of that control to keep you in your place so they can get what they want out of you and Mm -hmm. treat you in ways that are 
just wholly unacceptable. Like you don't extort people that you value. Plain the and friend, simple. Exactly. The friend that I had first opened up to about my anxiety at some point, months after I opened up to her, told me, Kim, I read this great book. You got to read it. And it was Worthy by Nancy Levin, mm. which I definitely recommend for you and for listeners. It's, I just have to say it's geared, I would have to say more for women, but Nancy is a woman, you know, but one of the, one of the things that she talked about is even housewives often, and this is where I had been in my first marriage, I struggled with not thinking I was worthy to spend money because I wasn't making the money. Mm. But behind the scenes, you're supporting the moneymaker. Yeah. You have a right. It's a team effort. Exactly. You have a right. I mean, if it's in your budget to go to Dunkin' Donuts or Starbucks and get yourself a coffee, you have a right to get your hair cut. Yeah. Does that mean you need to go get a, you know, a $400 Beverly Hills haircut? Not if it's not in your budget, but you have a right to take care of yourself. Yeah. And that hadn't been in place in my first marriage and it wasn't in place in that client relationship. Yeah. I remember in the mastermind having talks about that client where they had asked you for something and offered you, you know, some pay for it. And the conversation was very much around like, you know, kind of justifying what they were willing to give you mm-hmm. and, and why it was okay. And it, I mean, it all felt good at the time because the promise was so big. And so it's like the total value feels good and they're being really supportive and stuff, but hearing how everything played out, you can see how that was just planting the seeds to sort of keep you in like servitude. Absolutely. To put you in your place and like right from the start to feel like you're always going to owe me. So anything I give you, you should just be grateful for it. And if I want it back, then you need to just give it back to me. Yeah. It's like a, a collar was slapped on. Yeah. But I want to go back to where I was when that, when the relationship started with the client. Yeah. Just to give perspective to the listeners, my husband and I started renting our house in 2015, and it was a rent-to-own situation. So Brian saw the the good, the bad, and the ugly. We went through years of trying to get a mortgage, but getting a mortgage for an entrepreneur can be tough, and I had run my credit score into the ground, plus some, (laughs) with my first business. So it was tough. The mortgage places didn't want to see anything about me. So my husband at that point, he had already graduated, but he was working in retail 40 to 60 hours a week, $12 an hour, because that's what the mortgage companies wanted to see. Mm -hmm. But we were still having troubles. And at that point, this, you know, this um, vision of all this money felt like the end the means to an end, yeah. getting the mortgage under our belt and being able to buy the house. Yeah. And we did end up buying the house. So, you know, everything for a reason. And I just need to keep on reminding myself that everything for a reason, we don't know what that reason is yet. Yeah. But the, it, it will show itself someday. Yeah, it will. And Brian, I want to share, like after everything went down with that client, with the white label client, the, the main client changed the terms of how I got paid. So I went four months working 40 to 50 hours a week without getting paid. Mm. And even though we had bought the house, I mean, I was, I'm the primary breadwinner. My husband has since stopped working 
in the retail job. So we fell into foreclosure with our mortgage. When you're one month late, you can pay late. When you're two months late, you can still make a partial payment. When you're three months late, they want it all in full. Mm-hmm. And then it stacks up four, five. They want it in full. They don't want partial payments. They'll return partial payments. And just like asking for help when you're going through mental struggles, I've been in a place when I've been in financial struggles that I don't want to answer the phone when the creditors are calling yeah. or I didn't want to, you know, but answering the phone and having a conversation and telling them what you're going through as a human is very often the best thing, even though it's very humbling that you can do, because especially now, so many of these companies realize the struggles and they're making provisions to help with the struggles. So at the end of that time, I mean, we were six months in, six months behind on our mortgage. We, we had the certified letters coming to us that, Mm. you know, the house was going to go to auction. So we sucked it up and called the mortgage company and they did a reassessment and this is where it gets good. Not only did they reassess our mortgage and refinance us, but they came back with an interest rate that was two points lower, 2% lower than we had been before. So while I had to pay what I did back to the client for the project that I had completed, the amount that (laughs) we'll save on our house is 10 times more than I had to pay back. Mm. And in the process, I mean, this sounds sounds wrong, but you learned a valuable lesson. Mm-hmm. I hate saying that, but it's true. Oh, um, it's always true. Yeah. You went through that that struggle. I, you mentioned this before and, and you said it before we were recording, but this like when you talk about, you know, all these experiences and you were like 98% of it was me. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a That's a humility that I think a lot of people can take a lesson from, but also that's the only way you can see how to grow. Mm-hmm. If you're putting the onus on someone else, then where's the learning for you? Like, it doesn't mean you didn't go through it, but like, how are you going to walk away better if the other person's the only one who needs to change? Yeah. I mean, I, the 2%, and this was the situation that I was talking about when we were in our pre-chat, Ryan, the 98% that I see being me in that whole circumstance was I didn't have to give free time. Yeah. That was my you allowed decision. It. I allowed it. I said, yes, that is all me. And the 2% that I was angry is how it didn't, you know, the two, yeah, that was a slip, but it was, I think it was a good slip. I was angry. I'm I'm past it. I'm actually grateful now because there have been so many opportunities that have come out of the destruction of that relationship that I, I, I can't have any other emotion besides grateful. I'm forgiven. I won't forget because it's taught me a lot about giving away free time. There are so many ways that we can serve our community without giving away one-on-one free time. And I think this is a trap that a lot of people fall into, whether or not you're an entrepreneur, you feel like you have to give one-on-one free time. But even from our community standards, you could be going and helping at a food bank versus helping one person one-on-one. As an right. entrepreneur, you could be making a free training workshop that can help millions versus helping one person 
Record the whole thing that you would do helping one person, give it to them and then offer it up to everybody else. And what that's going to do is it's going to build your know, like, and trust. It's going to build your rapport and it's going to provide a lot more opportunities. And I don't want people to think that I'm always looking for the next opportunity, but now I'm looking at how to help, how to serve on a bigger scale and how not, and I hope it's okay that I say this, how not to be screwed in the future. It's totally fine that you say this. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I think that's really well said. And that like, it just goes back to that point you made about valuing yourself. Like you're worth more than this and you being worth something may feel uncomfortable for people, but even if it's like, look, you being able to help others is worth more than this. You know, you can look at it that way if you're not yet comfortable with yourself, but you can't help others if you're not worth something. So it's still going to come back to you. Uh, there's, there's just no way around that. And yeah, you, um, part of the 98% or a big piece of it maybe was allowing for that to happen. But saying that can make people do a shame and blame on themselves, which doesn't actually allow you to grow or feel better or, or learn from it. It just beats you further down. It's like that person is still devaluing you and controlling you. You're just doing it on their behalf. So it's like, look, you allowed that. There's a lesson in that. And it's not to beat yourself up for, you know, how could you and I'm so weak and this and that. like, none of that's actually going to help you the next time you're in that situation. So it's like, recognize what you did, but have some compassion and understand, well, why did I allow them to do this? And it's not because I suck. Like, that's too simplistic. So what could I have done differently? What do I need at my back? What kind of support network do I need around me to be able to say no? Um, you know, those are, those are the things that will help you because taking 98% responsibility does you no good if the next time it comes around, you still are left with the same 98% over the same, nine, you know, 98% of things. You, right. you have how to be able to learn. You, yeah. How long do you give yourself to beat yourself up? I don't. Um, you think that's healthy? I, I, I used to beat up, beat myself up every day. Um, you know, like through my teens battling with my weight every single day started with what the hell is your problem? Why can't you do this? Why are you so fat? Why do you eat all this stuff? Why can't you can't even make it a day following better eating habits? Like what's wrong with you? You, today is going to be different. And I would go into it with the sense of like, you're a failure and you need to stop being a failure. Well, it's no wonder by, you know, nine, 10 o'clock I had failed all over again because I framed myself as a failure. The other way to do it is you don't need to beat yourself up at all to recognize where you may not have done well. You don't need to beat yourself up at all to see that there is a way to learn and grow. And beating yourself up just takes away your resilience for that learning and that growth and that ability to do better next time. So I don't, for me, I don't need to do that. It's not that I'm happy about the failure or it's not that I'm like, you know, you screwed this up, like, great. You know, it's like, I made some pretty big mistakes here. The way I treated that person is not okay. Or the way I treated myself is not okay. What, what could I have done differently? Mm-hmm. How could I be better? And like, for me, I don't see how beating myself up helps me with any of that. But it's not the same thing as not taking responsibility. Right. You know? So let's elevate it. What if it's yeah. not beating it yourself? I beat myself up for a good month after that. Yeah. But 
let's say how long how long do you think it's okay to get down maybe it's not beating yourself uh, yeah up. like mourning the loss so to yeah. speak yeah. i i think that's that's normal and natural and that's something that as you're doing it to me you bring mindfulness into it and and don't just let that run because that's that's a breeding ground for anxiety that's a breeding ground for backwards movement and so it's not just to wallow in it it's like if you're feeling that loss or you're feeling hurt by it process it talk about it find someone you can open up to you know where it's just like you said you know on the on the suicidal thought side like just keeping that inside and being down about it isn't actually the way to deal with it it's to talk to someone about it and to try to work through it and it doesn't mean you feel fine but it's like we do need to work through these feelings and not just sit in them. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean, it certainly does not mean you just ignore it and move forward. I'm not for that. I do think you need to feel what you need to feel, but it's to have compassion through that process for yourself. I want to touch on that for just yeah. a second, because when I was in the mental hospital, they prescribed me to, to three heavy duty drugs. And Again, they didn't discuss the stress or the, the sleep. And I'm not saying that this is the right thing to do, but I'm a creative. You know that, Brian. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm a creative. And those drugs gave, uh, when I would look at white paper, I saw white, whereas mm. normal Kim sees stuff. You know, yeah. what do I need to draw? So I ended up removing myself from those drugs without my doctor's permission and promptly got fired by my doctor. And fast forward, when I, when I was feeling really anxious in 2016, I, I had a psychiatrist or a psych, psychologist or something like that, therapist, not a psychiatrist, because there were no drugs, who gave me advice that I didn't necessarily see as being the right advice either. And I'm, I'm not, I, I usually will just listen to what doctors say and not have any questions, but for anybody out there who's struggling and just doesn't feel like you're getting the best care, don't hesitate to look for another, another opinion and somebody who's going to be able to support you more. Because like in 2016, the therapist told me, get some uh, essential oils and smell them. And while I'm sure this works for some people, it doesn't work for me. And he too didn't ask about sleep. I didn't think to talk about sleep to him, but he didn't ask. Fast forward to, um, well, about six months ago, I was at the end of my time with the, with the client. We were coming to an end and I was feeling really anxious again. And in the meantime, I had found a new primary care physician and I went in and I, I really just wanted something to help me with anxiety. And that doctor sat down with me and he said, tell me what's going on. I mean, I don't know about you, Brian, but prior to this PCP, I never had a, a internal medicine doctor or a primary care physician who actually took time to sit down with me. Yeah. And so I told him and he said, okay, so what do you want from me? And I said, I want something to help me take care of my anxiety. Can you prescribe me something? And he said, yeah. And he, he wrote on a piece of paper, you are prescribed to exercise 30 minutes a day and to sleep. It's <laughs> brilliant. And I looked at him and I was like, what? Yeah. He says, you don't need medication. You need to take care of yourself. And right now you are not. Mm. And 
I felt like I had gotten the, this is the only word that's coming to mind, the spank that I needed, you know, like this is what I needed more than anything was that slap to remind me to take care of myself. Because if I, if I didn't, I would have been going down the same road that I had already gone down twice before. Yeah. Going back to you as a child and paralleling it to where I've been so many times now. I mean, I've been struggling with weight, but there's that personal integrity piece. And I think that's what ties it all together taking responsibility, knowing that 98% of the responsibility is mine, but also keeping promises to myself. I can make these boundaries, but I need to stand firm to them. If I tell myself I'm going to get up in the morning and ride my bike, then I need to get up in the morning and ride my bike. Mm -hmm. I mean, in the midst of everything that was going on with the client, I gave up drinking. I can't even tell you how much strength that took to not, you know, drink alcohol, to numb myself from the stress of that. But that that took a lot of personal integrity, which is something that I lacked for years. So, yeah, keep true on your promises to yourself. Hold true to your boundaries. Sleep and give yourself adequate self-care. Yeah. You know, in the meantime, Brian can give advice on healthy foods. We still eat McDonald's. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, wow. Um, well, here we here we go. Talk about coming full circle. Um, funnel cakes and McDonald's people, if, if you're not taking anything else, it's Brussels sprouts. All right. Like forget, forget the rest of the food. Um, it's been really good to reconnect with you. And I do feel like, um, it's not just a feeling. I think it's an accurate statement. You have been through some really difficult times, drawn out, stressful, impactful things that you've experienced and, um, hearing where you are today. Um, not just on the achievement side and like that your business is doing well or any of those things. Um, just the, the processing you've done with what you faced and the place you are with it is um, that's the most hopeful thing. I think from all this is that like, this is a woman who's been tested, but is very much uh, able to navigate going forward successfully and healthfully uh, despite the mcdonald's that you're, you're you know <laughs> actually i'm uh, craving brussels sprouts right now it's your fault like as soon as we get off here i'm going to put them in the oven well then i feel like the last thing i should say to you is like lettuce or something like that um you know but i it's uh it's really it, it's valuable and, and powerful stuff and i think almost everybody i know can benefit from this um so the honesty that you brought is really valuable um, and I think probably the, the strongest piece of this, just being open about all that. So thank you for all of that. Well, thank you for giving me the safe place to share, Brian. Always. Um, where can people learn more about you and uh, put you in a position where you get to say yes or no, um, <laughs> you know, trying to, uh, to work with you and, and the services that you provide? Yeah, so the good, the bad, the ugly, and the bloopers can all be found at thekimsutton.com. Not to be confused with any other Kim Sutton. This is the Kim Sutton. Um, I will link to that in the show notes. And I will also link to Worthy by Nancy Levin. Um, so people can find that pretty easily as well. Because that's worth picking up. Um, and Kim, you've got a show. Do you want to share the name of that so people know? I do. So my show is Positive Productivity. 
and you can find find that at the kimsutton.com as well by the way somebody had already taken kimsutton.com even though they're not using it which is why i had to go with the but positive productivity is not about perfection and i share things like my credit score there's an episode where i actually shared when it was in its 400s uh, my weight you know the bloopers and guests and i including brian just get real yeah and authentic and there's it's a safe place to talk about what we've been through and where we, how we've gotten to where we are today. It's a super real show. I really like your, your episodes are, are incredibly powerful. Definitely. Thank you. Um, and very real. Yeah. Um, and I'm now I'm like frustrated with uh, Kim Sutton for not doing anything with the website. You see that all the time. Like, I have a new book coming out and the title of the book is taken like variations of it have taken by a number of places that either have it parked at like GoDaddy doing nothing, or it just goes back to their business, which has nothing to do with the book title. Um, Kim, are you, are you ready to help me close the show out? I absolutely am. All right. Today is a new day. Go forth and make it a positive and productive day. I love that. Thank you so much. It's so great to reconnect with you. And you too, Brian. So thankful to Kim for coming on the show. If you haven't pointed your browsers to thekimsutton.com, you need to do that now and go take yourself into your favorite podcasting platform to subscribe to Kim's show. And here's a cool trick. If you go to thekimsutton.com on your mobile device, it will automatically flash up the link to her podcast right at the top of your screen uh, to take you to the Apple Podcasts version of the show easy way to get into it and subscribe and yes i was on there a couple of times okay so you're going to subscribe to kim's show you're going to check her stuff out and you're going to take in her message and think about where are you drawing that line are you blurring the line are you saying yes to things that you're not sure you wonder they might but they never do are you allowing people to take that advantage of you are you training people to take that advantage of you? I think that's the most interesting one is like we're building people's behaviors about us. Really, really powerful reminder for all of us to start drawing those lines better in support of the life we actually should be living. Thank you to Kim for coming on and sharing that. All right, I'm going to leave it there. Subscribe to Kim's podcast. Check her stuff out. Check out Do A Day, of course. You're listening to the show, so I know these messages mean something to you. Go grab the book. It's in print. It's in Kindle. It's in Apple Books, Google Play Books, um, Audible. It's all over the place. You can get it there. And you can get the follow-up, the 50-75-100 solution in all the same formats just as easily. Just go to brianfalchuk.com. There's a little... Uh, books link you can get through to all the books all right i'm gonna leave it there have an amazing day because each day is your opportunity to go out and do it thanks everyone